0: you're tuning you're in, tuning- in. in. TBD. TBD.
1: Tib- to tbd 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 to tbd to be discussed to be discussed to be, discuss. to be discussed
0: okay so welcome back to the podcast this is your host May wu and i have a very special guest here with me today and you should introduce yourself tell me a little bit about yourself where you're from how old are you what do you do
1: yeah so i am desmond jones i am a 26 year old filmmaker and i work in marketing and advertising for nike as well
0: all right so thanks for introducing yourself and we are going to talk a little bit about mental health today and so i guess I can start off by asking you, what does mental health mean to you?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, mental health, in my opinion, is just like a all-encompassing thing. Like this is something that everybody has to deal with. Um, just that some people have issues with their overall mental health, but from my understanding, mental health is just the health of your mind. You know, the <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. like. right, 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 um, is-
1: and so for me, mental health is just like your, your space. Like what is going on up inside of your brain? Where, it, where are your thoughts? What is your like energy? And what, how do you deal with other people? All of those things mm-hmm. obviously start upstairs. So it's kind of like maintaining the healthiness of that space.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And Um, So I'm guessing, or I'm wondering, what are your experiences with mental health?
1: So I live with a condition called major depressive disorder, which they used to call clinical depression, meaning just that you have persistent loss of interest in things or persistent depressive episodes sustained over a long period of time in your life. So. Some people go through depression that comes seasonally, some people go through depression related to certain traumatic experiences in their lives. Some people have a persistent form that just comes in waves every now and again. And then there's some people that just are generally depressed no matter what way they can do. Um, And so it's been quite a journey to deal with that and kind of know that that's what that is. Because, you know, for years, you don't really explore your mental health, especially as a black man in a community that kind of doesn't, we we haven't e- entirely explored what mental health means to us yet. And that conversation is just starting to hit its stride. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy that it is. But because I grew up before it did, there was a lot that I, there was a lot of life that I lived that there, I lived a lot of life not knowing what I was going through.
0: So, yeah, like, you, you said a lot of things that, like, I would love to unpack. Like, when did you realize that this was this, like, dark place that you were in? Like, it, it's mental health um, related, and when did you recognize that?
1: So, I would say that the first time that I knew that everything wasn't okay was probably like later in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I grew up knowing both of my parents, they weren't together, but like, they at least were in my life and I had a generally healthy family. I didn't have any like physical ailments. We weren't poor. And yet like I wasn't able to find that much joy in a lot of things. And I didn't understand why, And a lot of times I thought it was just like, oh, it's because people are messed up or, oh, it's because this world is fucked up. But what I started to think about as a 17-year-old conceptualizing what the world was, was maybe some of this is internal. And I started doing research on it and I asked my parents if I could go talk to somebody. And so I had some consultations where I was... I guess I couldn't call it diagnosis yet, but it was like a pre-diagnosis where I was asked if this was something that I've been dealing with for a while. And Mm -hmm. in unpacking those experiences, I started to realize that this was something that was kind of persistent throughout my life. And so I did what most 17-year-old kids would do, and I completely fucking ignored that and was like, I'm okay, I just need to choose to be happy. And I bottled that up and didn't do anything about it for years and until i graduated from college and things started to get pretty bad again um and i started ideating about things that i didn't think were right started um concepting around what the world would be like if i wasn't here and from that i realized i need to talk to somebody again so i started going into light rounds of therapy. And that was when it was confirmed for me that that was what I was dealing okay.
0: with. So you you had a moment where, so like you did seek somebody, but then was like, hey, maybe it's something was, I guess like, what was the reason why you were like, hey, I, I just don't think like, right. I want to continue seeing somebody.
1: When I was 17, it was just, it was the stigmas around it. You know, this was mm, okay. 2010, 2011. And everybody else just seemed fine. And nobody else was talking about going to therapy. And the big conversation was like, you can't be weak-minded. And people Mm, who dealt with mental health issues were considered either crazy or weak-minded. And I didn't want to be that because I thought I was strong. And I felt uncomfortable with going through that while being in a world that treated people that went through that, that way.
0: Yeah, because I, that makes sense because I think mental health now is different from mental health, like you said, like nine years ago. Um, like now it's all centered around like mental health, mental wellness. And like the discussion is still, yeah, it's like still, it's being unpacked and it's more relevant. And people are always like, take a mental health day, you know, like stress relievers, focus on balance. But I feel like that wasn't exactly a hot topic. I mean, not a hot topic, but a, a topic that we're discussing the same amount right. nine years ago.
1: Absolutely, I totally agree with that. And I feel like naturally we go through these ebbs and flows because we weren't talking about like race and you know um, a lot of these issues that affect underrepresented populations in the public space that time either like we all knew that it existed but a lot of us weren't organizing and speaking out about it in this public space because we were kind of almost afraid of what was going to come to us you know like and now um thank goodness like these conversations are populating the main public spaces that people are like you know they're more active in the workplace um they're are conversations like this that are more active on social media and it is beneficial to people's overall awareness of what it is that some people go through.
0: Yeah I agree and I would say like even me back then I would say my thoughts of mental health were like oh that's a white thing you know like in my mind I was like oh you know that's what white people say or that's like a white people thing um and I would say that's a very ignorant, small minded mindset of when I was younger. And I don't feel that way anymore. But I can't help but think maybe other people felt that way too. You know, like, oh, that's not art. Like, that's not not something like minorities feel. Like, that's just the shit that they have to deal with. And then um, it's like, oh, but that's like, that's what they do. Or that's like, that's their thing. And I didn't really think too deeply into it or too much into it. Um,
1: Same here, actually. You know, the white people shit is a term that we just use a lot. And, like, for years, I thought all of that was just white people shit. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to no therapist. That's white people shit. Why would I do that? Like, black people are strong. You know what I mean? Like, we would have been through so much worse than what I've been through. And I need to go talk to somebody about this. That doesn't make sense. Not realizing that, like, trauma can affect everything and every part of your life. And culturally, in particular, we all deal with a lot of traumas, you know, like this country was never (laughs) meant for us to succeed. And because it wasn't meant for us to succeed, just navigating through a life in this country and in this system is going to have adverse effects on your mental health if you're not aware of what that is.
0: Yeah, and yeah. going to see somebody as a therapist or any kind of professional help, that doesn't mean you're weak, I, but I think that that's like a stigma that was, it was a stigma.
1: Yeah, definitely. 100%. I think that my experiences dealing with people that have had mental health issues um, have led me to believe that some of those people are like even stronger than folks who don't because they, they keep pounding and they keep going every day And you know, they have darker thoughts or they have a chemical imbalance in their brain that causes them not to even be able to function at the same capacity as somebody who doesn't. And a lot of people still do that with a smile on their face and they treat everybody with respect. And that is difficult when you have everything working to stop you from doing so.
0: Exactly, and I have the saying where I think that everybody would benefit from therapy Um, Going to school and learning a lot about mental health and best practices and communication and kind of relieving stress. And it sounds like I think everyone would benefit from therapy. I think some people need therapy in ways that will, you know, help them unpack and find balance in their lives. And then I think some people can benefit from therapy by just like unpacking things that are blocking them from being their best selves and like trying something new and kind of like unpacking some fears and things that hold them back.
1: Exactly, like we don't realize how many of our bad habits are rooted in traumas or triggers or stressors that come from our past. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I think just talking to someone else about those things openly without fear that that will escape the room that you share it in. And it'll, it'll really help people learn to break those ceilings that are above them. Cause they are glass ceilings, you know, people are capable of so much more than they think they are. And there's a lot that stops us that's in our minds.
0: And I guess like, would you say that when you brought this up to your parents did they just, did they suggest therapy and how did they feel about therapy overall?
1: I asked for it. And one of the reasons that I didn't keep it going was because that was not something that they, fully understood at the time Um, Mm -hmm. with all due respect to both of my parents, um, they're very Mm -hmm. supportive and they obviously are much more aware of a lot of these things now, Um, Mm -hmm. but at the time it was just not a conversation that we were having as a culture, you know, in black America, it it was difficult to see that because there was so much of mental health issue being tied to craziness, you know, We look Mm -hmm. at folks who deal with like bipolar disorder, and we think that they're moody or we think that they just up and down or whatever you want to call it, not realizing that that's not something that they fully control and that seeking help could save their lives and it could save their psyches. Same with, you know, people with even stronger um, disorders like schizophrenia. Like when you know people that go through these things, you start to see that behind what we would have perceived as crazy years ago, is a human being that is trying, it's just that there's something that they can't control stopping them from, you know, putting out their maximum mental output. And Mm -hmm. I think what's really unique about that and the struggles of people of color is, we know that feeling and we could very easily empathize with it if it wasn't stigmatized. Almost every person of color in America today has some form of white supremacy blocking them from reaching their maximum output in life. You get into these spaces and it feels like they weren't meant for you because they were, they're so deeply tied to this idea that white people are better than you, you know what I mean?
0: And yeah, it's right.
1: almost the same thing as somebody who has these issues that block their brains from functioning at a normal capacity without medication, without proper therapy, and without, you know, keeping them away from their uh, stressors.
0: I guess, who who do you go to for, like, to keep you balanced? Like, so is there, like, things that you do to keep you balanced because like this stuff can weigh down on you. It can make you feel very, um, very little or get you in a really dark place. So I guess like, what do you do um, to get yourself out of that kind of funk and that dark area? Um, Do you have like advocates? Do you have, uh, you know, things that you exercise to um, get your mind in a better space?
1: Yeah, so there's a few things that I do. Um, One, I have a pretty tight-knit circle of friends that I'm very grateful for. And we just, I I have them get together when I feel down. I have them get together with me and we do whatever the hell we want to do. Like sometimes it's just a game night and listening to music and stuff. And it's like being in that energy of people that love you and want to see you happy and can hold you accountable in more ways than one. Um, Mm -hmm. is very enriching for the spirit. And so if my spirit in particular is down, that is where I go to. Um, And if it's my mind is down, I try to go to, I try to go back internally. So because I'm a writer, I like to write down things a lot. And I feel like there's a lot of physical power in committing words from the brain to something that's physical. So. I write down things that I'm grateful for. I write down things that I'm happy about. I write down things that I wanna change. I look at them. Sometimes if it's negative things, I like to burn them. I like to feel that stuff be released into the world. And positive things, I like to put them somewhere where I can see them later so that I remember those things that are value. Because a lot of what depression does is there's that voice in your head that just wants to beat you down. And it's not only nagging you, but it's like heckling and mocking you. And when you hear that voice, sometimes you have to see somewhere in your world, the direct opposite of what they're saying. You have to see that you're loved. You have to see that your friends care about you because it's a monster that's sitting there waiting for any negative piece to pop up to tell you, see, you know, this, look at you, this sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, this is Mm -hmm. bad. Everything that you think of yourself that's wrong is right. You know, everything wrong with you is exactly what you are. You will never be better than that. And so when you write down these ideas, when you write down these positive thoughts or these positive feelings, you see them. And when you see it in the physical space, you can defeat that thought that's in your mind.
0: And so it sounds like you recognize that somebody is kind of speaking down on you and then you have to write like all the things that you're grateful for, the things that you Uh, love and cherish about yourself and about, like, what you have and what's around you. And that helps you cope or be able to um, find a way out of that space.
1: Correct. And I I think I left out the body as well. When it's the body, I like to exercise. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's surprising how distracting a little bit of exercise is from what's going on in your mind. Um, I got into running. And I kid you not, when you go for a run, your your body is going through so much that you can't. Like, I'm just, I'm going and I got to go. And I tell myself, if I'm getting five miles, you got to get five miles. You can't stop at two because your, you know, your knee is starting to get a little sore. Like, if you're not, if it's not broken, just keep going. And when you finish that run, you feel like, man, I just ran five miles and my knee got sore during mile one. I can do anything. And that mm-hmm. feeling in the body of, being able to do anything it helps you get to that point in your mind and say you're not getting me because depression or a lot of those feelings i guess negative thoughts they affect both they affect all three they affect the mind they affect the body and they affect the spirit so you got to attack each one of those individually with their own unique touches um and then i think the the more institutional way i would like to address that Um, navigating the world is also knowing what your stressors and your triggers are Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and doing your best to stay away from those spaces if you can. And if you have to encounter those spaces, being firm about your boundaries, if it's a person that's causing it, and if it's a place or a thing that's causing it, being aware of that and engaging with it in the best way that you can in that moment, and then unpacking and holding yourself accountable for where you could have done better later.
0: Okay, so it sounds like a lot of reflection too.
1: Absolutely. I feel like um, one thing that I don't like about the conversation around the world of mental health that's happening in the public space, particularly social media, is that a lot of folks are getting accustomed to using mental health issues as a shield for accountability. And mm. you've gotta be accountable for your actions no matter what you deal with. And depression is an ugly, ugly disorder, especially at its worst. It can make you irritable, it can make you apathetic. And you know, you won't go to your niece or nephew's birthday party, cause you're like, oh, it's just another cycle around the sun. Like, who cares? It's, it's not the biggest deal. Why are we getting presents just because a kid turned another year old? It's all stupid. And that stuff hurts other people. Those actions that you take when you're at your lowest can hurt other people. And you don't always see that because of the selfish nature of that disorder. But you've got to be able to hold yourself accountable and not let it be an excuse for not being the best person that you can be.
0: I guess to follow up on that, I do, I've been seeing a lot of different social media posts, a lot of social media influencers who are uh, like metal, not medical, but like they're influencers about mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And what are your kind of thoughts? Like, do you think this is positive? Do you think that there is uh, some negativity to it?
1: It's bittersweet. I am... Happy that they are able to navigate that space in an attempt to be positive, especially when their messaging is actually thorough and it's correct, Mm -hmm. because obviously there's a lot of memes that go around talking about mental health that just aren't true or they're not correct. And I think that those are a bit irresponsible for quote unquote influencers to share. But I do like that in the space that exists, there are people that are doing things to positively affect the world. But on the flip side of that, I have serious concerns about the overall healthiness of social media in general. Um, I think that it's very adversely affecting, like, the mental health of everyone in society. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I don't necessarily love the concept of anything existing in that space discussing mental health because you can't get in depth enough to really unpack what that is to every individual person
0: yeah so like i guess that like i'm seeing it as just because a post says that it doesn't encompass like all of what mental health is or all of what this specific type of mental health um disorder is or it's not like that one solution off of that one sentence that someone posted or exactly. one paragraph. Um, and, and also like you said, I think social media can be very triggering for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes not everyone can recognize that it could be like their own, like you can log on and it can make you feel worse and worse, but you can't stop. And I feel right. like I hear that a lot. Like they're just, they just go down this like dark rabbit hole and they're always like comparing themselves or, Um, reading all these horrible articles or seeing all these things and it's triggering them negatively.
1: Right. I mean, it's just, it's a very strange world, right? It's like you have to project your personality onto a digital space where people can't interact with you and they can't get to know you. So as somebody who deals with what I deal with, it's very difficult to see things in that space and then come away from that. Okay. Like, Mm -hmm my as a filmmaker like i'm still at the very very grassroots stage and there are people who you know slingshot into success which which seems to be over because you only saw their social media journey and you don't realize that they were in the same position you're in now however long ago but you don't Mm -hmm. you don't even think about that in a moment because you're seeing this and you immediately start to compare yourselves and that creates envy and envy is not you know, it's not a healthy thought to have. And like, I've finally been able to like, divorce myself from that idea, but it's too easy to fall into unhealthy habits in that space with how it's constructed. You know, we look at likes and we get endorphins from it and that like, endorphin rush is a little high. And anytime you're getting a little high from, you know, something that's not tangible, something that's not real, you create this unhealthy expectation for it. Like working in social media marketing and advertising, I've seen how poorly social media behavior actually reflects onto people who aren't at that upper echelon. So like you got a lot of people trying to live like Kylie Jenner on a Forever 21 budget, you know? Mm -hmm. And the difficulty that comes about is is you're never going to reach that overall aesthetic that a Kylie Jenner has. And so you're progressively going to feel worse and worse about what you are. You no longer see the things in yourself that are valuable and not seeing what you offer to the world that's valuable uniquely is one of the you know main causes of like seasonal or trauma related depression. So like that connection, that correlation scares me <laughs> like Deeply, it scares the yeah. shit out of me, because I'm like, dang, these like, this stuff can easily fuck up the way somebody views the world off mm-hmm. of likes, or off of minor endorphins, and that's not cool.
0: So, I mean, I guess with, like, the impact that social media can have, I think social media can be a positive thing, but it can also be very negative. So how have you said you've divorced that, like, negative idea of, like, comparing yourself so I guess you know, like, what are your strategies? Because to me, I think cutting off social media forever and ever is something that's probably not plausible for most people. So how do you navigate that space and still come out of it, you know, positive and not in a bad place?
1: So I took a pretty long break from posting on social media. I'm just like very much at the tail end of it now. Um, And I just did it for, like, instead of putting a benchmark on it, like, I'm going to be off this for three months or whatever, I decided I wanted to wait until what I was posting, what I was doing felt healthy to post. You know, like, do I feel like I need somebody to see this? Like, do I need somebody to react to this? And why do I need them to react to this? If it's not a message that I feel is actually important to the world and it's just lifestyle stuff, I'm just going to live in a moment. And I think from that conversation that I had with myself, I found the value of living in moments. And from there, it gets a lot easier to figure out when and where you're gonna be on and share to social media. Because when I go out now and I'm with friends, I don't feel this need to show people that I was out. I don't need to show people that I was you know, with friends. I don't need to show anybody anything. And because of that, a lot of times my phone doesn't come out for me to record, you know, a quick video or to take a picture of mm-hmm. some food or whatever I was doing that day. Like, I am I just don't feel that need. And it made the way that I exist on social media a lot healthier because now I don't think anything of it when somebody else is doing it. But I don't feel the need to compensate or to match that energy by doing it myself. So mm-hmm. a lot of it is just like making sure you're present in the moment that you're in, and then deciding if adding that to the digital space makes sense, you know?
0: Yeah. Like, are you doing this because you want to project something? Or are you doing this because you genuinely want to post something? And then also like, are you living in the moment or are you just waiting for the right five, 10, 30 seconds to record or a quick picture?
1: Right, like it's crazy to think about 15 years ago, if you went to a concert that night, you might've come away with a picture from it, Mm -hmm. but that whole concert wasn't up on your Instagram story that day, you know, like there wasn't that to exist. So you almost had to be present in that. Like you just had to be at the concert. You had to experience it live and then people who didn't experience it live had to ask you about it and talk to you about it and like now it's at the point where I don't need to go to the concert for the most part because across my 50 or 60 friends that went to this show at the (laughs) motor center like I'm gonna see every song dang near in its full capacity (laughs) and if not the like the best parts of the song are gonna be on there Mm -hmm. so I'm good I don't need to go anymore and I feel like that like losing that connection to moments in your life is, uh, it's like, it's at the detriment of your happiness long-term.
0: Right. And I think that makes sense. I'm definitely guilty of like recording concerts because like, I have this thing where I like to go back and rewatch it over and over and over again. Like, I think my friends who like seen me do this are like super annoyed because they'll hear the same things over and over again because I'm just like oh let me relive these moments that I had at the concert but yeah and I, I definitely understand and I get what you mean um, by that and I'm glad you found a good mechanism or methods to help you navigate social media so I want to ask about having new people come into your life like friends um, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe someone turned romantic how do you navigate when to disclose to people that, hey, like, you know, I really, uh, like, not even then, like, but hey, like, I yep. is, is diagnosed with depression. Like, when do you let somebody know that?
1: This is a tough one, because I don't think I do the right thing here. Um, I do that pretty much dependent on how much I trust or like the person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so like, if, if I meet somebody, like, say at work and we cool, And i feel like i would actually hang out with this person outside of work i might talk to them about it at some point in time because it's going to affect our overall relationship because it's just gonna like is it just is a thing that's going to happen at some point you know like i the way that it works i might get apathetic and you might invite me out to something that i really like
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: i'm like i don't care i don't want to go you know and it's just in a cold voice and i don't want you to think that it's like a personal thing so i might tell you then but the reality is i think that we should be more open and comfortable talking about what we deal with in the world and i feel like i could do people a lot more good by sharing more about my journey which is mm-hmm. part of why i'm here right now yeah um yeah. and i'm striving to actually just be so open about it that it's a matter of fact thing because it's not something that i should feel there's any weight to disclose in. it just is it's part of who i am the same as like you know, my hairstyle or the, my favorite brand or whatever, you know what I mean? It's just, it is who I am. So it's not something that you should be afraid of. And I think that like, just overall in the world, people got to get more comfortable with that stuff so that people don't feel like they need to know that deeper piece and that that's something important that they know.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like you, you try to be transparent whenever you find that like this person is someone that you want to maybe keep in your life or not keep, but like, you're going to have a lot of interactions with and that you might, uh, have. Like, right.
1: Um, so if there was like any piece, I could say to come away with, it's just like, Hey, if you, if you got that struggle, like be open about it because it's, it's actually going to make people value you more overall as well too, you know? instead of thinking like this person is just moody or something, knowing that like there's bigger issues going on will make people understand your strength and they'll understand your resilience as a human being because Mm -hmm. they can see like now that there's a bigger picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then you mentioned before about like not going somewhere because you, you know, you just can't get yourself to go. Um, and you're just not in a positive space and you can't be that positive person there. So you just can't go. And, um, and in those moments, how do you, how do you let people that you care about, um, your friends, your family know that it's not them? It's just, you're not in the right space. Is that something you say to them right away? Is that something you say like after the fact of that event or, you know, that interaction. I try to I
1: try to be as open about it as possible up front. you know, hey, like, right now, I'm not really in a space where I want to go. And sometimes, um, especially when your friends are good, they will they would respond with like, hey, I actually think this is something that you should go to, like, I feel like if you can muster up the energy to come, I really want to see you there. Because I get that you're in a dark space. But being around people you love can help you get out of that space. Mm-hmm. And not to, see, you know, not that these people think that they're so strong that they can beat depression, but it actually just does help. You know, like when you got friends that'll just say, nah, I'm pulling up on you or nah, we, we, uh, we going to this thing mm-hmm. and getting you out of that space. It, it helps. Like it's, it's almost engaging the body and the spirit at the same time. Cause they're saying, let's get you up. Let's do this and let's go. But in addition to that, like i think and this is a bit of a pivot from what you're saying but i think when you do get in that space asking and being transparent with your friends about what you do need because sometimes i just don't you know maybe i just don't want to go to this concert and instead of going to this concert maybe you know you come over and watch this movie with me Mm -hmm. um that i've really been meaning to watch but i don't want to watch it alone or whatever you you come by and like we just have food like that stuff can help a lot more than somebody trying to push you out of a dark space. So maybe it's communicating that transparently as well.
0: Mm, Okay. What would you say? You kind of touched on this too. And um, maybe you have a couple things to add, um, but how would you say like as an advocate, you can help somebody or not help, but like promote positive uh, mental health, and promote like positive interactions um, to their loved ones. So if they, how can they be an advocate to people who are dealing with this?
1: I think it's being present in um, people's lives. You know, like get out there and be there because a lot of times we want somebody to talk to us when they're going through something and there may not be words that you can share in a moment, you know, like, sometimes I can't even articulate what got me into the moment and it's going to take me a lot of unpacking to figure it out. So it's, it's, it's being mindful of the signs and getting involved when you see them. Cause I think that everybody that deals with uh, mental health issues has some form of a tell that things are not entirely okay. And maybe that takes a lot of nuance to understand. Um, but, If it is something that you can actually see or you can figure out they're off, they're uh, behaving differently or they're not in certain spaces where they would be, it's then reaching out and saying, hey, what are you doing? Like, I just want to spend time with you or even just let a person know that you were thinking about them. Those are all like low lift ways that you can just be involved, you know, because sometimes when like when I go through what I go through, a lot of it is feeling like, I am alone, and a lot of it is feeling like maybe I don't belong. Mm -hmm. And it's when people just let me know that they have some positive uh, or there's a positive way that I impacted their lives in recent time or overall, it helps me see that there is actual value to my presence. You know what I mean? And so just little it's like the little things of being present in somebody's life that help a lot because you just never know when or how or how deep down in the dumps they are and the last thing you want is to lose somebody to suicide and know that they were on your mind and that you didn't share it
0: i love that you said that because i don't think we always do that enough like like you said, we see people maybe post on social media like, oh, they should be fine. Like, I haven't talked to them in X amount of weeks or months or whatever. Um, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't check up on your friends and people in your life.
1: Right. And I mean, if you care and you, you love somebody in whatever way that manifests, you should let them know. Mm-hmm. And it's it just means so much to that person when you do share that. Like I know, for me, if if somebody just hits me up and says, "Hey, man, like, remember this time we did this? This was funny." That makes me have a fond memory back in the past. It makes me remember that there will be fond memories in the future. So that gives you a future to strive for. And
0: I love that. You know, that's you're sharing ways of to be an advocate. Um, what would you suggest for somebody who's kind of just realizing that they might have a type of mental illness.
1: Talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't feel like you're strong enough to find help yourself, tell somebody that you trust and ask them to take that responsibility on for you. Um, I think because you don't know who's in your corner or you do know who's in your corner, Like you got to utilize the people that are closest to you and get into a space where you can talk to somebody who can understand and help you diagnose it correctly. Don't just like, especially if you feel like it is something serious,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: get on the phone or get into an office with somebody that knows because you don't want to go to WebMD. You don't want to go to Google and try to diagnose yourself, you want to figure out exactly what it is and figure out what your resources are right now because you always have more resources than you think you do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that they have things like Talkspace now where you can hop on the phone or get on the internet and talk with somebody. What was kind of your method that you went through to talk to somebody?
1: So more recently, I did a lot of research to just like find therapists, um, but also just Getting on the phone, like, if it gets to, if you start feeling very, very dark and very down, there's no shame in calling the National Suicide Line. You know, mm-hmm. like, talk to that person because that is a trained person who can help you see a little bit more clearly in that moment than you are seeing. Mm-hmm. And when you get off that phone, you know, find that area of comfort and then get right back into doing research. So I I would say that that's somewhere where I've, I've been and I'm not ashamed to say. And I feel like I'm grateful for the fact that resources like that exist because that is how I first figured out where and what to Google to find the right people, what to research to find the right people to talk to, to really get to the bottom of things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because they, it sounds, yeah, like they know what the resources are in your area and they're able to share that with you instead of, like you said, the WebMD route, because I think we've all been guilty of seeing something wrong with us and going on WebMD and then like, you know, thinking of the worst scenario possible, the worst thing possible. And then it digs us into a really deep hole. And especially with mental health, it sounds like that could be a really, really deep hole that you can dig into and misdiagnose yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. And one of the worst things that you can do is misdiagnose yourself and go to someone saying that that's what it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, I haven't heard this myself or experienced it in with anyone I know. But one of the things that I fear is somebody thinking, you know what, I do experience very serious mood swings. Maybe I have bipolar disorder and going to a doctor and putting that into The doctor's head that you have bipolar Mm. disorder and it could just be bipolar depression which is completely different you know what i mean and people understand that there's all these different titles for it because there's nuances to the disorders themselves or to the experiences like you're not experiencing the same thing depending on what you have and every single person who experiences mental health issues deals with them in different ways
0: yeah that makes sense and um I would say like, I, I was, this is kind of an embarrassing story, but I went, cause I was like, oh, there's some things that I do want to work on. And I always talk about advocating for a therapy. Like I do want to go to a therapist. I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to like discuss some things that I want to unpack and, uh, you know, like work through them. And so I was like looking for a therapist and, uh, so I went into this person's office and, it turns out they're a psychiatrist and that is different. And he was basically asking me what kind of medication I was looking for. And so I, you know, if I had looked on WebMD MD or like if I was somebody with a mental illness and I looked on WebMD and I went to the psychiatrist and I'm like, I think I have bipolar and I explained to him these things, he probably would have prescribed me some medication because he says that's that's strictly what he does.
1: Right. And that's like that's a scary territory because I'm not somebody that uses medication myself, mm-hmm. but I know that some people have been on the wrong medications and that has led to episodes of psychosis or other like negative directions that it resulted in long term damage because of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So I definitely see what you mean, because that experience really reflects what you were just saying, how like you can really mislead a, uh, a professional or, uh, not mislead, but kind of like put something in their mind and then also get the wrong medication. And then in return, really, really put yourself in a really dangerous situation. Right. Um, so, I mean, like, thank you so much for sharing everything that you said today. I think it's super helpful for me and hopefully for the listeners as well. I guess like the last um, kind of like the last question I have is what are your uh, daily practices that you do to keep you grounded?
1: I exercise frequently. Um, It is just, like I said, it's all about breaking down what comes to the mind, what comes to the body and what comes to the spirit from depression because it does affect all of those. And I try to have at least one exercise for each thing um, that day. So I try to have a conversation with at least one friend or family member that I love and value every day as well, because um, mm-hmm. it does just help you get into good spirits. So it's a good evening conversation. Like I have great conversations with both of my parents now. Um, mm-hmm. Some of my closest friends, like we, we've just bonded so much now that I know that that stuff can help both my spirit and theirs. And then for the mind, I like to write a lot of thoughts down, um, positive thoughts, obviously, like poetry, just some kind of creative outlet that engages the mind. And then also I have done in the past but Don't Keep Up Consistently, just like brain exercise. So like crossword puzzles or like anything that makes you think and find patterns and stuff, because that. It distracts your mind from any negative thoughts, but it's harder for me to muster up the energy to keep that up during um a period of like severe depression. So I've just resorted to just like writing thoughts down, like writing something that made me happy that day out. And when you go back and you look at a bunch of things that you've written down that you liked about the days, you start to realize that those days weren't as bad as you felt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or you might feel that they were in a in a dark place. So Those are like my three main things that I do every day. And then I just try to like explore some of my like interests that I've had throughout life. You know, I've read comic books on and off for basically my whole life. So when I start to feel like I'm down again, I start to go to the comic shop and like pick up a few comic books and read those because they take me back to being a kid and maybe being in that space that I was as a kid, like will help me feel a little happier. Because you know, I just I explore whatever the hell is in my mind, and I'm like, I need to touch on this thing. Like, what is this? What what is this outlet? Can I find something of value from it? And you never know. Like, it it can bring out better thoughts from you.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, like going back to a really happy space in your life and recreating that like reading comic books and so um yeah that's really it for the podcast today thank you so much for this amazing conversation and like i'm so happy you shared and came on the podcast today
1: thank you